Welcome to the Clear-Headed Podcast. I'm Kate Madry, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. This is the podcast that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their sobriety. Super LA of me, but I like to start every episode with a deep breath in. So if you're driving to work or you're on your way to run some errands or maybe you're in bed getting ready to wind down, let's just start with a deep breath in and out. Okay, let's get clear-headed. How do you even start? It's a question I get asked a lot when it comes to being sober. And for a lot of people, including myself, starting was the most intimidating part. That's where my guest for this episode, Hilary Scheinbaum, comes in. She created a guide for 30 days of no booze, or really any month-long challenge. It's called the Dry Challenge, and it's an incredible tool for your toolkit. Not only is this a guide forwarded by Lil Bosworth, founder of Love Wellness, but it's been raved about on talk shows like Good Morning America. Let's pick up where it all started. This was not a book idea. This was a very silly bet between two friends who one of them is me. One of them is my friend Alejandro, who I dedicated my book to. We both went to dinner and it was right before New Year's. It was around the holidays. This was in December of 2016. I used to be a red carpet reporter and that was mostly at night. And during the day, I would freelance for a number of publications, mostly about food and beverage. And so a lot of my actual job was going to these very high profile events and then after parties where there was like top shelf liquor. You know, I didn't drink every night, but there there were options, let's say that. And then during the day, I was writing about cocktails and interviewing bartenders and, you know, doing wine tastings. And again, not every day, but, you know, it was kind of open and there were a lot of opportunities to imbibe. And so on top of that, you know, being a 20-something in New York when you're dating and you're just being social and there are birthday parties and drinking is, is, you know, a big culture here in New York. So with all that said, I went to dinner with my friend Alejandro in late December and he and I were just catching up about, you know, life and talking about New Year's resolutions. And he brought up this thing called Dry January. And I thought that is so not me. How could I possibly ever give up alcohol, even for, you know, a long weekend, considering it's my livelihood, it's my social life, it's everything that is happening around me always has not an alcoholic component. (laughs) I changed the subject. I felt really uncomfortable. And a week later on New Year's Eve, I was at a party and I was texting all of my friends who were not in attendance. And one of them was Alejandro. And I said, happy new year. And then I initiated this dry challenge bet. And the bet was that, you know, we were both going to go without alcohol for 31 days of January. And the person who lost the bet was going to buy the winner dinner at any restaurant. (laughs) Fun. That was my first, I think my first aha moment that I, I didn't know at the time. And I didn't realize was I was really challenging myself. And this wasn't like, you know, I'm going to take a jog around the block, having been a former high school cross country runner. It was something that I just was so out of left field for me and could have been detrimental to my career 
and my social life and you know what I mean? Like a lot of my friendships. Of course. But it was something that something in me was like, this is something I need to try. In my tipsy state, I that was the first moment. Um, wow. So you you were tipsy when you decided to do the dry challenge in I your did. own, uh, in the first, in the beginning stages in that bet, you were tipsy. That's so interesting and I think relatable because sometimes when you look back on moments of our life that were the most clear we can pull from these times where we're actually the most cloudy. You really evaluate a lot of things if you if you choose to, you know? And so you let yourself go there and have that cloudy moment lead, lead you to clarity. Well, that's so interesting. It's so crazy to me because that one moment, and, and granted that it was, you know, two separate moments. One, we were having dinner when it was brought up. But two, I just randomly did this and I, I can't explain why I was literally holding a glass of champagne in one hand and my phone in the other that moment in itself you know thank goodness that he agreed to it because that conversation that took 2.5 seconds to type out changed the next at this point six years of my life and so it's it's wild it's crazy it is isn't it like you don't even realize it in the moment <laughs> You don't even, you just kind of go moment to moment. I mean, that's what life is, right? Like being present and being in your, in your gratitude and not thinking too much about the future and not too being too lost in the past, just being present, but you don't understand the impact those, all of those moments have. And like, to your point, there was the seed planting of this idea at that dinner. I mean, what was going on in your life that allowed that seed from that dinner to grow into action? You know, what was going on in the in-betweens? You know, it's interesting because I think that a big part of my stress is coming from not sleeping and really not having an organized handle on the way that I was moving through my life. I, I was never getting blacked out or feeling like I was out of control, but I did definitely feel the difference once it was removed from my lifestyle. So I think that, you know, I was really tired. I think that I had been doing these other physical challenges for work, whether they were for, you know, fitness related uh, articles or just to, I don't know, experiment in my own time and see what works for me and what doesn't. And I think that the idea of, you know, not drinking just was so out there for me at the time. Yeah. That in itself was exciting and scary and also, you know, just challenging. So what I'm hearing you describe is almost like the idea was like a really hot cup of tea at first. We were like, I can't drink that. That's like not going to happen. Like there's no way I'll burn my mouth. Like it's just not. Yeah. And as that tea, that tea just stayed sitting there and it cooled down. You're like, you know what? Actually, that looks kind of good. Like maybe yeah. that's, wow, it's really rich. Whoa, I've never seen tea that dark. I wonder, I've never had this kind of tea. And it became more approachable the more it just sat there. And I think that for so many people, sobriety, getting sober, cutting out alcohol for even a block or chunk of time is hot, piping hot tea that you don't even want to touch because you think it's going to hurt you. And it might if you dove head first, you know, there's going to be a lot of burns that ensue and feelings that you're going to feel that you go over of how to deal or cope or choose to become stronger at the end of that 
burn or whatever however you however you I don't even know if this is a good analogy but I'm hoping you you're getting what I'm saying I'm loving it okay okay good okay right so you had this tea that cooled and then you said you know what I'm gonna challenge you I'm gonna try to drink this tea you see if you can too so when you when you put up that bet you laid up that bet you had a glass of champagne in one hand you had your phone in the other what was the next morning like for you so funny that you ask here's the third aha moment, which was, I went to brunch with a number of friends and I was sitting there. I remember it was at this Mexican restaurant on sixth Avenue in West village. And the server, you know, came over and was like, what is everyone drinking? And everyone was, you know, ordering their mimosas or their bloody Marys or what have you. And I did not order an alcoholic beverage. And on top of it, he came over with uh, complimentary tequila shots. And I remember mm-hmm. him putting the tequila in front of me. And I was like, it is January 1st. If I take this shot, it's over. Like it is now or never. I'm either going to drink this and completely discard the bet that I made last night, or I'm going to pass this to my friend and I'm going to do it because like it was, it was just one of those like, epiphanies that Mm -hmm. I was like there's nobody who's gonna stop me you know beyond this because all of my friends who were sitting there with me they're like why don't you just take it it's just one drink and and that theme really did continue throughout the month where a lot of people were like well if this isn't a forever thing like why don't you just have one Mm -hmm. and I think that that moment really was kind of like a jumping off point not just for me personally but also how I started almost building my elevator pitch And not that you should ever have to explain yourself, but Mm. it definitely helped me complete the narrative for the people around me who just were kind of in shock, whether, you know, I was there, you know, Wednesday night wine friend or like going out buddy. It was very helpful for me to say, listen, I have a bet and I cannot (laughs) lose. (laughs) And this is what I'm doing this month. And I'm very motivated, you know, to complete this. The hardest thing for me to part with when I became a non-drinker was the drink. The cocktail at the end of the night or at the party. Luckily, I found free spirits. Did you know millennials and Gen Z are consuming 20-30% to less alcohol than generations before and committing to an alcohol-free life? With free spirits, the ceremony and socialization of cocktails can remain without compromising the taste or well-being. Free spirits honors the nose, tastes, and mouthfeel of traditional spirits while skipping the fermentation process. And on top of it, each one of the free spirits is infused with vitamins B3 and B6 along with naturally uplifting amino acids like taurine, so you're doing your body good. The spirit of bourbon is a rich, oaky, caramel kiss non-alcoholic alternative to the great Kentucky bourbon. The spirit of gin is a smooth, bright, and floral non-alcoholic alternative with the fresh nose of juniper, followed by notes of citrus, coriander, and cardamom, and my personal favorite, the spirit of tequila. It's made in the spirit of an oaky vanilla kissed reposado with an earthy, spicy nose and a smoky agave forward palette. It's great paired with your favorite mixer or alone on the rocks. Want to join me for a better drink? Head to drinkfreespirits.com and get yours. Use code CLEARHEADED20 for 20% off your first purchase. One time use per person. 
I love the, first of all, love the elevator pitch (laughs) on sobriety. I mean, like I could attest to the fact that having a go-to answer is so incredibly helpful if you are navigating being in the same social circles in the first, you know, go at it. And I know that your method is geared towards just a month, you know, just taking a month, whatever that that day looks like. But I can speak to I'm over a year sober now. And that first month is the most (laughs) to people. And having a guy just to help you get towards that first completion of a goal that you set with what to expect and hurdles and everything is so I mean it's just the best thing you can have if you're trying to approach being a non-drinker at any level at any level whether it's a forever thing whether it's a challenge whether it's a bet and having an answer to your support system or to your friends is probably what I think in my opinion the most pivotal place to start Would you agree? I would. And it's interesting because that first year, I feel like people were pretty divided. Mm -hmm. I had Alejandro, who was my support slash competition, but we definitely had each other to vent to or text each other, or I almost want to say like prevent each other from, you know, ruining the bet for ourselves. And on the other hand, I had individuals and groups of friends who just didn't understand, didn't want to hear it. And eventually I realized that those were not going to be my support system. That wasn't going to be my support system. So it's very helpful. And I think also when people were asking questions initially, and some of them, you know, it was kind of in a negative way, but I think initially I thought a hundred percent of these people are, you know, questioning my motives and questioning my you know, my drive or whatever it may be. And it's, it's like taxing and whatever. And what I realized was even if these questions were coming off in a less than positive way, more often than not, people were just more curious because it wasn't something they had considered. It was kind of like how I initially reacted when I was told about by January, I was like, what? Like, that's not for me. And I think that by asking questions, it just further opened the conversation. And during the middle of it, you know, people would ask, do you notice any differences? And it was more of a curiosity than a negativity. I mean, for you, I'm I'm curious, like how, who your biggest supports were too, because I found that I became more aware that the people who supported me in my dry endeavor were also people who would just support me in in anything, no matter what. I was like, I have a crazy idea or like, let's go do this. Or like, what do you think of that? They would be my cheerleaders no matter what. And I found that the people who were less than positive or less than cheery about it were a little bit on the side of let's just keep everything the way it is, like Mm -hmm. the norm or, you know, a little bit more reserved about change. Yeah, I think it was a, for me... And what I'm hearing in yours is your adventure, your journey seems very similar in that. And I do think everybody goes through this to an extent, whether it's abundantly clear or whether it's just a little nuanced of realizing what's built on booze. And that's what I really realized through my friendships was what was really built on booze and what was built on love. And it it was true for me too that the people who are super supportive – Maybe there was, you know, 
with every relationship, there was a little bit of booze involved in my in my life because I had built my life around booze. So <laughs> everything was tied to it. There was a little shot of tequila in everybody's relationship in my life. Yeah. But the the relationships that were really built on love, you could take the tequila out and it was still a good drink. You know, it still had flavor. It was still there was still a profile in that friendship and dynamic and relationship. And those are the relationships that I have stuck with and those are the relationships that I now see out and that's like been the biggest benefit are these new friendships and these new dynamics that I have aren't built on booze at all they're built purely on love or purely on respect or purely on admiration and it makes you feel for me at least like I can do anything with the support system that I have now where before I felt like it was maybe a little bit limiting you talk about Alejandro as something somebody of a support system can I just know how the bet ended? Like, who won? I won. He <laughs> won. He had to take me to a very fancy restaurant called Momofuku Co. in New York City. Cool. I believe our dinner was more than $1,000. What? He lost bad. And wow. um, to, this, to this day, it, it, it kind of ends in like a, in a sweet way, though, because Obviously, I dedicated the book to him, which I like presented to him on his birthday in 2020 before the book was out. I wanted him to know. And the other part of that is that he will never bet me anything ever again. number (laughs) Number two is that this past January, he finally completed a dry January. So it it took a few more years, but he did it. I'm very proud of him. Oh, good. So there was a happy ending. (laughs) That is a happy ending. And honestly, like relatable as hell because it takes some time. It takes some time. And just like with this book, let's see, you did the challenge in 2016. So January 2017 was 17. Mm-hmm. And then it came out in 2020. Yeah. So three years of putting together something. I mean, that takes times too. Yeah. And, and I mean, it shows because you really thought of everything. I'm yeah. curious to know in making this guide book, how to great tool. Can you think of something that you saw or realized on a deeper level when it came to drinking with looking and assessing all the different avenues of how it impacts people's lives you know I don't know if this is a deeper way of looking at it but my my first like big like change was the way that I was sleeping I was sleeping you know let's say December 2016 was sleeping like five hours a night getting terrible sleep like super stressed just like anxious feeling like very low and I thought it was just the winter because I'm a Florida girl and Mm -hmm. winters in New York are brutal. Mm -hmm. So in January, when I felt like, so my mood was so elevated, I was getting eight hours of sleep. I was like, what is this? Like, this is the best. And obviously there were other, you know, perks, like my skin was glowing and I'm saving a ton of money. You know, I just felt better. And so, you know, a big thing that I think everyone goes through, you know, in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, as you get older, and you have these like subtle ailments, let's say, like maybe you feel foggy or having digestive problems or can't sleep at night. And I find that, or, you know, even if it's like a skin irritation or whatever, I find that a lot of people, their first go-to is to cut out, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but, mm-hmm. you know, on their own without 
doctor supervision and they say, I'm going to eliminate gluten or I'm going to eliminate dairy. And I think, I think that's wonderful. And if it works for you, I think you absolutely should do it. You should experiment with that anyway. Wonderful. But I find that the last thing that people ever want to give up is alcohol. I know. It's like they are willing to cut out everything in their life, every lotion, potion, supplement, product, whatever it is, but the, but they will not give up wine or booze or any, you know, or beer. And, and I think I always say, I try to approach it in a, yeah, I'm a, it's a little bit subjective, but I always say like, just give it up for seven days. Just yeah. try it. See how you feel. If you, if you want to drink again, that is your choice, you know, as long as, as you are, um, you know, doing it in a safe manner, but you know, that's, that's a big one for me because after totally. researching all of these things and seeing how it, you know, affects your brain, your body, your spirit, your everything, your yeah. social life, like that's always just like my one tip to people. I'm like, just, just try it. I think that that's such a good tip. And for some reason, and I mean, we probably figured out the reason, but like the hardest tip to follow. Yes. I mean, there are so many layers to the onion that is society and drinking and marketing and it is everywhere and it is present and it is a, I mean, our society is built on booze. I mean, if we talk about relationships, it really is. So mm -hmm. I understand why it is overwhelming to think about and overwhelming would be the operative word. And probably why you wrote this book was to help ease that overwhelming feeling to approaching this. It is overwhelming to think about cutting out something that is just everywhere. I mean, everywhere. For you, did you find that it got easier, harder? What was your process like? Can you like walk me through the first chunk of it for you. Yeah, I think the first year was obviously the hardest for me and having no plans to do this before, you know, five minutes before midnight, <laughs> I still had wine in my apartment when I got home, you know, I mm -hmm. had social plans. I was single and I had, you know, a date on like, I think January 3rd. So it was like, I had not calculated anything. I had no idea what I was going to tell people. And certainly besides the fact that I had a bet, when people asked me like, why are you doing this? I was like, I don't know. And so I think after the first go around, the second time was just so much easier. And I had, I already knew what the benefits were and it was easier for me to talk about with people and say, you know, I did it last year and I felt X, Y, and Z were so much more improved. And then it, it became more of a conversation rather right. than people questioning my motives or uh, trying to talk me out of it. Right. And I think that since 2017, our culture, although it is still very alcohol focused and centric, I think that there are so many more options too. So like year one, I was asking for like soda water and pineapple <laughs> or like right. whatever, whatever right. I could get. Right. And now you go into restaurants and bars in New York or in other big cities in LA and, you know, all over the place. And the cocktail menu is the same size as the non-alcoholic beverage menu. So yeah. I think that, you know, had that been the case in 2017, I don't know that I would have had so many difficult conversations or interactions or felt like the like odd person out. But I definitely think year over year, I mean, at this point, if I'm like, I'm not drinking and it's like July, my friends are like, okay. Yeah, yeah, it comes with the time. And 
it has now been and it will continue to get hopefully more fun to make a non-al cocktail with such great alternatives like you've drinking free spirits we both love free spirits right (laughs) i love it and you know it's not for everybody in everybody's journey it is the exact flavor profile of the spirit of whiskey the spirit of gin the spirit of tequila so it can be a little triggering it depends and you just have to feel that out everybody does for their own journey and where they're at but I mean, I get to a point and I am at a point where I'm like, I really just want a little bit of spice in my in my drink. I want to have a pretty bottle on a bar cart because it's an aesthetics thing. And I mean, it, it, it has gotten so much more fun. And I do think that having things like free spirits to bring to a party or to say, oh, no, I'm making my own cocktail tonight. And, you know, I found that people are like, oh, can I try it? It's more, like you said, people are more curious. Mm-hmm. Getting companies and and society and restaurants and bars even to have these alternatives that are just as pretty, just as tasteful, without the hangover, without the guilt, without the the shame that some people feel when they drink. Try it for seven days. Buy yourself a bottle of a beautiful non-al beverage, and mm-hmm. substitute it. See how you feel. See how much of it is a ritual. See how much of it is just inherent. Do you really need it? And if you do, address it. And it's up to each person to say, okay, yeah, this is something I want to look further at. But like, give it a try. It cannot hurt. It can't. It can be uncomfortable. It can be challenging. It's why it's called the dry challenge. It's why it was a bet. Okay. It's uncomfortable. (laughs) But it's not going to hurt you. For sure. I think another thing too is drinking, you know, these beverages out of the same vessels that you would an ordinary cocktail is so helpful. Totally. Even if it's like tricking your brain, you're still in that same element of having a nice beverage in like a sophisticated way. Absolutely. You're enjoying it, you know, as you would any other you know, alcoholic beverage, which is also great for people who are drinking anyway, because if you are done kind of for the night and you still want to hang out and you don't want to have like a switch in your palate and you don't want to drink water or you don't want to drink soda, it's like you go from your regular wine to your non-alcoholic wine or your you your know, whiskey alcohol. sour to your spirit oh. of whiskey sour. I yeah, mean, I say your Moscow mule to yeah. your <laughs> exactly. alcohol-free mule. I yes. Mean, yeah. I know. It's cool that it's it's getting to that place where you, we have more tools inherently. And I think also being in the mindset of wanting to seek out those alternatives is a key a component to the success of completing a challenge like this. Now that you've done this book and it's been so well received, like how do you feel about it? It's it's definitely a weird feeling. I think that anytime I write anything, you know, and, and you put it out in the world and you're kind of like, oh, I hope people like it. So <laughs> it yeah. was, you know, to get such positive feedback was really, it feels really nice, you know? I It's funny to me too because – Anybody who has known me throughout the years has 
seen and read and kind of reacted to my former articles about beverages and bartenders and all of the different topics within the food and beverage umbrella. I think some people might feel like, oh, it's a, it's a big 180, but it's this really lovely evolution. Even the people who were like, why are you doing this? It's only going to be a month. Just like, come have a drink with me. Up until last year, you know, especially even this past January, they were like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this year. And I was like, to see that really come full circle is it's just, it's nice. Yeah, it's planting the seeds. It really is. I mean, you are a product of a seed plant. I mean, seriously, like <laughs> that freshest dinner was like the seed plant, the hot cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, Going back yeah. to our, our metaphor analogy, I don't know what it's called, but that's cool that you've seen it reflected in your own life. You poured that hot tea for some people and it's it's cooled down and people are ready to drink that tea and enjoy it and and, and notice all of the benefits of said tea which yeah. is dry challenge. What do you think you're going to do with it? Are you going to keep going? Are you learning more? Are you are you taking a break? Are you taking a challenge from the dry challenge break? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. I I think for the rest of my life I'm probably going to, you know, engage in dry January. There's there's no doubt in my mind. I also, you know, take a lot of different months and use them as opportunities to not drink. Moving forward, I will likely do more events that are centered around other activities that aren't, you know, cocktails. I hope I'm invited to whatever it is that you do. I'm co- I'm coming with flags and, yes. and pom-poms and good energy because I love it. And, and not drinking is fun. And yeah, I think that's a big thing too, which I, you know, failed to mention is I think that people often were concerned that I wasn't going to be fun or that, you know, I was now like going to be quote unquote boring. (laughs) And I think that the most boring thing to me personally is being hungover in bed the next morning (laughs) and like just ruining my day or ruining my weekend. So, you know, (laughs) in, um, in response to that, I mean, you know, I think that it only gets more fun. Yeah, it totally does. Being clear in a fun situation is more fruitful for everyone. And uh, I love that now we have a guide to go to. So thanks for creating it. Thank you for your chat. Oh my God, thank you. This has been so great and fun. Yes. This episode was produced by Sarah Ashcraft, music by Honeydew, and recorded at The Wave. For more tips, tricks, and tools, subscribe to our mailing list by heading to theclearheadedpodcast.com and entering in your email. Talk to you next week.